Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie, Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. What is going on, everyone? And welcome to r slash Entitled Parents, the movie Halloween edition. Today is the 31st of October, and for that reason, I thought I'd upload a special extended Entitled Parents episode for all of you to enjoy on Halloween. Now look, some of the stories you're about to see are more Halloween themed than others. I don't think I could make a one and a half hour plus video of just Halloween stories, but do look out for two incredibly creepy stories that are gonna come up, you know, somewhere across this video. I'm not gonna say exactly where, you're just gonna have to stick around and find out, but yeah, they're a little bit different from the rest. You're gonna enjoy them. They are slightly creepy and a little bit terrifying, but um, hey, this is a Halloween special after all. So with that all being said, I really hope you guys do enjoy this episode and have a great Halloween. Let's get right into it. My entitled aunt thinks I work at a store I worked at four years ago and demands a discount. Okay, first off, my aunt is a real lady. She uses our family for her gain and gives zero Fs about anyone else but herself and her image and her friends. She will only ever talk to us if we have something that she wants. She lives in one of the most expensive parts of Sacramento, while our immediate family all lives and has lived in the same area nearly my mum and aunt's entire lives. She's very entitled and thinks highly of herself her and her husband and children are the type of people who are always keeping up with the joneses she has to be admired and loved by strangers she scams money out of whoever she can especially my grandma which is how she's able to live in such an expensive area and claim back issues and not work or she'll work and immediately quit if someone doesn't like her smoke and hang out all day while her husband gets drunk and acts like an idiot With that out of the way, let me tell you what happened Friday afternoon. Now, I am the semi-black sheep of my family. I'm not mean, I'm not rude, I don't talk rubbish, nor do I socialize much with my family because I know they don't really like having me around. So no one ever calls or talks about me in regards of how I am or what I'm doing, which is usually nothing. So I was surprised to get a phone call from my aunt, the entitled idiot. I didn't know the number, I didn't know at the time how she got my number, but I was waiting on a call from my doctor so I answered without a second thought. So I answer hoping it's my doctor, but I hear my aunt's voice. She and I have never been close I don't like her. I don't think i've ever liked her I burned myself as a child because she wouldn't let me have a bath since she was entertaining her friends and getting high So I went and made myself a bath and burned most of the skin on my legs thighs and butt off That's how much I hated her and her daughter would steal my dolls toys Whatever she could get her hands on and she never gave them back nor would anyone believe me when i'd find my stuff destroyed at their house anyway i answered and i'm extremely confused when i hear this idiot's voice she tries to sound all sweet and nice hey how you doing grandma says you're sick yeah i am i absolutely hate talking especially to this idiot on the phone okay she's quiet before she gets to the point as to why she's calling me the one niece she hasn't or couldn't steal or con from 
Well, you still work at Party Town, right? My grandson needs a costume for Halloween. I want a discount or you can sneak one out for me. I kind of just sat there thinking, is this lady serious? Did she really just say that? Did she ask me for something I cannot do even if I wanted to without asking nicely with a please? And did she not know what day it was? The store would be packed to heck with parents who couldn't make more time to get Halloween costumes six days before Halloween. What? Are you high? I don't work there. I worked there four years ago for like two months. Who said I work there and why would you think I'd give you a discount or steal for you of all people? I was annoyed to heck and back by being told what someone else tells me what I'm gonna do. And it's a week before Halloween. There's no costumes left. My aunt lets out this weird uh sound and starts saying something like, don't be selfish. Your cousin, who's thieving by the way, needs a costume for her son. He's only three years old. Are you really gonna be a lady and not get him a costume? After a little rage, all I can do is just laugh. I had taken some pain meds on my knee, so I'm kind of loopy and tired and thinking I'm dreaming and all I do is laugh. I can hear my sticky-fingered cousin chime in, calling me a selfish lady and how she's gonna get me fired for stealing. Somehow, they came up with the idea that I steal costumes for my teenage nephews at a job I don't work at because my grandma told them I worked there once four years ago during Halloween. She and my cousin are still yelling at me on the phone until I stop laughing. My eyes are closed and I'm on the edge of sleep and I tell them I don't work there. I haven't worked there in four years. I was working with my mum until two years ago, you stupid idiots. God dang, you guys can't stop coming up with scams and schemes long enough to get facts straight before you call and harass people. You don't listen to grandma tell you about us when you come down asking for money. F off, you ingrates. That's all I remember before I passed out. I woke up Saturday morning with a stiff leg and missed calls and texts from my grandma and aunt my grandma was apologizing and said she set my aunt straight but an hour later my aunt calls and says you can get grandma to lie for you but i know you're a selfish lady like your mum, and you won't even help out the family i just listened to her tired as anything trying to stretch my leg and let her go on i'm going to be in later today for my grandson's costume and it better be half off or free yeah i would love to see that but even if i could stand to walk or be in public i don't care enough to watch her humiliate herself or try and belittle seasonal employees and she didn't even tell me what costume she was looking for anyway if i worked there was i just supposed to grab any toddler costume for her punk butt i feel bad for the kid but my aunt is such an effing lady and she's hurt my grandma too much for me to even consider helping her or my cousins wow your aunt is certainly something else like i understand that she wants something from you that's fine but the fact that she doesn't even make some sort of conversation or even find out if you're still working there is so stupid And then, yeah, her entitledness just shines through. Moving on to our second story, speak English or GTFO. So for some background, I'm severely hard of hearing, but consider myself deaf. I mean, when your hearing is that shot, you might as well be. I also operate a very small local deaf meetup group in my local area, which includes a hearing person, one of my roommates, who just seems to enjoy hanging out with us and we're fine with that. When with the group, I don't wear my hearing aids as that roommate is usually fine with handling things if and when hearing is needed. He's a trooper. At this particular meeting, up which happened this morning at shoney's for their breakfast we came across an entitled parent on to the story everyone was seated casually nomming their favorite breakfast items from the breakfast bar at shoney's everyone signing and giggling back and forth with one another and enjoying our time together but we did notice a kid that was nearby bugging my roommate about something I wouldn't know what's being said until after we arrived home after the meetup and will include the conversational bits where relevant. Why aren't any of you talking? Oh, I can talk. They are deaf and can't hear speech, so we use sign language to talk. 
Oh, that's cool. The kid runs off and my roommate didn't think any more of it. It's not uncommon for someone to ask about sign language here or there or ask us how to say something or get advice on where they can learn the language. Lifeprint.com, if you are personally interested, it's free and where we typically send folks. Sounds like nothing spectacular so far, I know, but it wasn't until we were ending our little meetup and start saying our goodbyes when the kid's mother approaches our table. Again, the deafies are just thinking yet another person with a sign language question. The hearing can handle it. But apparently, this kid's mum was so, so offended that we weren't speaking vocally that she intended to make her stupid opinion known. You need to stop doing the hand signal stuff and speak English. It's very rude. I'm sorry, what? These guys are deaf, so... But the entitled mum cuts him off. I don't care if they're deaf. They can speak English like everyone else in America. No, they can't. Literally, two of these people were born completely deaf. They don't know what English even remotely sounds like. It's not my fault they're idiotic. They should still speak English and you too. Stop messing about with your hands. It's very rude. It's very rude to insist people with a disability to cater to your sensibilities. And honestly, I wish I were deaf myself. So I wouldn't have to hear the screeching of a heartless lady with less than two brain cells to rub together. Wow, good comeback. You can't speak like that around children. She ends up huffing and running off. At this point though, she's gotten the attention of everyone at our meetup. We all were thinking that was the end of it and the roommate signed to us telling us crazy lady thinks we're throwing gang signs and other stupid stuff Everything's fine. Well, we've seen that before. Well, turns out the entitled mum ended up getting the manager demanding we be kicked out So enter manager stage left the manager arrives at the table with the entitled mum and the poor kid in tow The entitled mum's looking smug like she just accomplished something huge I've got a complaint that your entire party has been rude and is cussing the manager notices sign language being being used and asked the entitled mother mom do you know what they're saying no not at all they're not speaking english which is very rude we're in america and in america we speak english the roommate swears this is what she said and since we do live in the sticks i wouldn't put it past that someone would say something like this mom we can't kick people out for not speaking english but they're insulting me and my kid just look at them at this point it's worth noting that when we're discussing something or someone if the object of discussion is available they're pointed at At no point in our discussion did we point at the entitled mother nor her kid What we were talking about was various subjects from cats to the girl We got recently invited from walmart talking about wanting to get a fish tank and a small fighter beta and other places They'd like to go for the next meetup. So nothing involving the entitled parent nor her kid But my roommate says actually he points to one of us She's talking about getting a fish tank and getting a beta fish points to me He's getting information on where the next meetup might take place points to the black guy He's talking about a kitten he recently adopted points to the entitled mother and she's being rude Insisting deaf people need to stop using sign language to accommodate her stupid sensibilities The manager surprisingly signs to the group asking if we found everything to our liking We all practically say yes to some degree. Yes. Okay, etc different signs The manager proceeds to inform the entitled mother that she'll need to leave us alone or he will have to ask her to leave She apparently continued to complain about how we continue to sign after all this and was asked to leave she did and apparently screamed how she's never coming back the manager gave us 10% off our bills except the roommate who dealt with the brunt of it who got his meal free well good for him hey everyone i've been on the go recently phoenix kansas city chicago if you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home you have an airbnb Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. 
Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash post. My dad asked to borrow my car, then sells it. This was a long time ago. I hardly have any contact with that part of the family anymore, but I do still talk to my dad once in a while. My dad had needed a car for a while, so I loaned him mine. When I went to get the car back, the back end was smashed in. My dad tells me how he was at a red light and the car was rear-ended. Of course, I asked the normal questions about faults and insurance and everything else. He tells me the other guy's insurance company sent him a check for the damages, but it wasn't enough to cover the repairs. That was a lie, so he didn't have the car repaired. Instead, he spent the money. Now, my dad and I have the same first and last name, but a different middle name. So it's easy to see how he could claim the car was his and have the check written to him. When I told my dad that he should have just let me know about the accident and let me handle the claim, he says, why should you get anything? You weren't in an accident. I was. We had an argument about that, but none of my dad's arguments was even anywhere close to being valid. He also just wasn't listening to anything that I was saying. I asked my dad to leave the car at his house for a few days, and I said that I would arrange to have it picked up and repaired. A couple of days later, I went to his house, but I didn't see the car, so I thought he wasn't home. When I knocked, he answered. My younger brother was also there, which was surprising because he was supposed to be away at college, which I was helping pay for, but um, that's another story. I told my dad I was there to pick up the car. He says that was impossible because he sold it. I asked him why he did that, and he said, You seem so annoyed about the damage. I figured you just want me to go ahead and sell it, so you didn't have to deal with it anymore. I was making payments on the car, and I asked my dad how he could have sold it without the title. He told me he just had the guy fill out a lost title form or something like that. I don't even know the details on it. I told him that I thought that was going to be a problem when the guy tries to register the car and finds out there's a lien on the car. My dad just says, that's the buyer's problem, not mine. When I asked him how much he got for it, he told me he got $3,000. Even with the damage, it was worth closer to $7,000, but definitely no less than 5k so obviously i asked my dad for the money but he told me he'd already spent it then he went into a rant about how many bills he has and how he's even paying for my brother's college again not true plus my brother was sitting right there he dropped out but didn't even tell me even though he kept cashing the checks i sent i had very little contact with my parents after that and i think i only actually saw them one time since then which was around the time i got married but not at the wedding because they refused to go none of this was all that surprising though i never ever should have even loaned the car to my dad's in the first place uh well yeah op to be honest mate it sounds to me like a couple of your family members are pretty horrible people um your brother clearly takes after your dad what's he doing seriously like what is he actually doing this story actually reminds me of another entitled parents video i made not long ago if you want to check that out it's again about you know a karen kind of stealing someone's car trying to put their own name on it their own number plate check it out up here if you haven't seen it yet um very very similar story to this equally as strange what is it with you know parents using their children's cars and you know trying to get their name on the license and on the title and stuff like that and then what just spending the money that they made from it selling it in the first place is mad then not giving the money back to the owner of the car their child even worse and now moving on to our second story slightly more serious than the first 
Entitled mum and entitled grandma try to kill residents of group home many years ago I worked in a group home for the privacy of all the residents We had a set visitation room with visitation hours by appointment only Appointment only so that two families weren't trying to visit at the same time It had a separate entrance and a door that shut it off from the rest of the house It had a half bath a tv cable hookup game console with maybe 50 games a dvd player with about 150 movies board and card games along with nice comfy seating and a small four-person table visitors were not allowed anywhere but that room if any of the other residents were home it didn't matter if bill wanted to show off his new bedding set or if jack's mum wanted to see if he needed new clothes i don't think my mum wants to do that but anyway um if the other residents were home no the families of five of the residents were fine with it kyle's mother and grandmother though were not They firmly believed that they were within their rights to enter the rest of the house and inspect it and his housemates. He was their baby and they had rights. By God. Well, actually, no. The residents of this home were 30 to 40 year old men with developmental and physical disabilities. They were all actually wards of the state. The fact they were even allowed to know where he was, let alone visit, was a huge privilege. To be honest, I was wondering why the rules were so strict. That makes sense. Our agency had many other homes where the families of the residents had no idea where they were and weren't allowed to see them. The families were only allowed to contact the case manager and inquire about them through him. Back to Carl's mum and grandma. It was a constant battle to keep them out of the rest of the house. It got to the point that we had to have an extra staff member during their visits. This staff member had to sit outside the connection door while the visits were going on and physically stand blocking their way when they would attempt to enter. I lost track of how many times we ended up calling the police to have them removed from the main part of the house before that happened. And that's when they started calling the police on us. After the third time of them calling the police to demand entrance to the rest of the house, they lost their privilege of visiting. Kyle was moved to another home where they weren't allowed to know the address. This didn't go over well, to put it nicely. They were adamant Kyle was still in our home and they threatened us several times that we would pay for keeping their baby from them. A restraining order was granted against them, keeping them 800 feet from the house, staff, residents, and no calls to the house. It all came to a head one night when at dark 30, I was locking up the house for the night. All doors and windows had to be checked and the alarm set. Another staff was doing bedtime medicine. The other two were helping out with bedtime routines and getting laundry going. I kept telling the other staff I smelled smoke, like a campfire, just faint whiffs of it. They said I was crazy. I just walked the entire house and nothing was burning. It must be a neighbor having a small backyard fire or something and I got a whiff while closing the windows and it was stuck in my nose. It finally became strong enough for the others to smell. In pairs, we checked the house again. Nothing, but the smell is getting stronger. We met back in the living room and decided to go ahead and call the fire department when we realized we could see wisps of smoke in the living room. We woke the residents and had them put on shoes and jackets. The smoke in the living room was now clearly visible and it was starting to make its way towards the bedroom and it finally triggered the alarms. Protocol was to evacuate and get the residents to the van. The living room was the exact center of the house with an open floor plan with the kitchen on one side and a laundry room on the other. The bedrooms were through the living room and to the left and right, along with two bathrooms, the visitor's room and our office being at opposite ends of each other. 
Down the hall, we shuffled to our office because the van was parked to that side and the keys were in the office. As we came around the corner of the house, we see the source of the smoke. Our front porch was on fire. The house was brick, which was what was preventing it from spreading outwards, but it was spreading upwards towards the roof. The police and fire departments arrived just as we reached the van. The fire department went to work on the house. The police head towards us. We're all fine, except four people came running up to us. Kyle's mother and grandmother, along with two unknown men. The two women started screaming for Kyle and that they were here to rescue him. We'd endangered him by allowing him to live in a fire trap. They suddenly realized that there was no Kyle in the group and they were now screaming that we'd left him to burn in that house. They were suing us, they'd shut us down and have us in prison for murder. The police quickly asked if we had left someone behind, to which we answered, no, we have all six men. But for their safety, we had to get them in the van and then we'd sort this out. The police held the mother and grandmother back from us while they continued to shriek about Kyle and the fact that we'd left him to die. Two of the staff loaded them while me and my coworker talked to the police, starting with the fact that those two women had a restraining order and for his safety and ours, Kyle had been moved to a location unknown to them. They were cuffed immediately and told to pipe down. Now that is what I love to hear. We proceeded to explain exactly what had transpired that evening. The fire was doused quickly while we did this. One of the firemen came over to talk to the officers and we heard him say there was preliminary evidence that this fire was set deliberately. There would be a formal investigation. Kyle's mother and grandmother were arrested for violating the restraining order and suspicion of arson. The two men were arrested on suspicion of arson also. Now, moving on, results of the investigation determined a clear case of arson. There was also a deliberate rigging of a device to the door leading out of the visitation room that would have been fatal to the person opening the door. And if anyone was close by, debilitating, if not fatal. The four indicted on vandalism, arson, eight counts of attempted homicide, two counts of attempted murder. It came out that they were unaware of the other side door, which saved lives. They got a plea deal and got seven to 10 years each. This was back in the early 2000s, so I don't remember what exactly the sentence was. Wow. All right, look, first of all, don't get me wrong. Obviously, it's not nice having your son locked up in a place like this, but clearly he's there for his own safety. You know, like there's a reason why he's in this place. Look, it's not ideal for the for the mum and the grandma, and I get that, but come on, there's obviously some backstory here. He's not just gonna be in there randomly. It's not as if he's like trying to fight his way out. You know, come on, there's a reason he's there. But, and I can't quite believe they did this, trying to, you know, set the whole building on fire of the place you believe your son is in just to try and, you know, free him or let him escape or whatever, see him even though they know he's not there. I mean, clearly they don't, but he isn't there. It's mental. You're putting eight lives at risk. You're actually trying to kill people. Sorry, not just putting their... I've just completely forgotten the fact that they set up a bomb pretty much, didn't they? On the door that would have killed the person who opened it. What, what are they doing? Trying to kill some staff members, trying to free everyone else inside by setting the whole place on fire just to see your son? What? Are you sure? Wow. Lock these guys away and throw away the key. You don't care if I change your subscription to premium, do you? So this actually happened yesterday and the entitled person in question is my dad. For a long time now, dad has been asking for my Netflix password, but I wouldn't give it to him. I didn't care if he used my Netflix, but I knew him well enough to know that he'd happily give up my password to anybody who wanted it. He had openly admitted that he wanted his second ex-wife to have it. He'd continually ask for my password, 
but I refused. Three days ago, I offered him a compromise. I wouldn't give him my password, but I would lock him in and make him a profile. He agreed, so I went to his house to set it up. At first, he seemed grateful. But yesterday, I got an email from Netflix that my subscription plan has changed. I checked and saw that it had been upgraded to a premium subscription. I immediately changed it back, but I would have to still pay the increased price this month. I called dad and asked if he had been the one to change that subscription. He initially denied it was him, so I told him I was going to have to change the password again. Oh, uh, I might have done something to Netflix, he quickly said. The moment I mentioned the password... I was pressing buttons. I don't know what I was doing, but I might have changed the subscription. I told him that he had changed it to a more expensive subscription, but he just said it was only a few bucks more. Then he tried to distract me by asking if I'd ever watched Supernatural as he'd supposedly just discovered it, but I steered the conversation back. I did not believe it had been an accident, but I just told him to be more careful. His story suddenly shifted as he claimed Netflix forced him to upgrade. He said it kept asking him if he wanted to watch it in HD and he tried to cancel it four times. When he'd finally accepted it, it upgraded his subscription. Of course, I didn't believe that story either, but I learned long ago it's better just to drop things with him. Later that evening, he called mum. He was mad that I had changed the subscription since it wasn't that much more expensive. Netflix had forced him and he really couldn't tell any difference in the SD and HD. He actually was pouting and told her that I could just cancel his account since he couldn't watch it anyway. And that is why I had to change my password again. To be honest, guys, I wouldn't even necessarily mind it if your dad was just open and honest and admitted that it was him that tried to do this thing. It's the fact that he said, oh no, I was forced into it. I didn't want to do it anyway and I didn't do it in the first place that just makes this all so much more embarrassing for him. Like, don't get me wrong. I would much prefer to watch Netflix in HD rather than SD. For that reason, I have an HD account. I don't blame him for wanting to do that, but I do blame him for doing it on your account, not telling you on your card, I assume, and then lying to your face, saying that it wasn't him and that he was forced to do it, when we all know that is utter BS. What's he on about? Pressing a few little buttons and then being forced to pay more money? Yeah, sounds legit, mate. Shut up. And now moving on to our second story of today's episode. Entitled mother-in-law demands a paternity test and then tries to steal the baby. This is my sister's story. My sister and her husband were together for five years before they got married in 2016. Within a month of their marriage, my sister found out she was expecting. She told very few people around her and her mother-in-law was not one of them. When she was 12 weeks along, she finally felt secure enough to announce her pregnancy to everyone else. So then, entitled instance one. My sister's entitled mother-in-law started crying as everyone around her was celebrating. My sister announced it during a family lunch between our families. The only ones who knew were me, my parents, and her husband, my brother-in-law. My sister's in-laws and brother-in-law's siblings were just finding out. My sister had not wanted to share the news because she was worried about miscarrying. However, when her mother-in-law saw my parents and me smiling and not being surprised, she started bawling, screaming that my sister ruined her experience of finding out about her grandbaby by not telling her as soon as she found out. She was angry about the fact that my sister shared the news with us, her literal flesh and blood, over her my sister's father-in-law had to remove her from the situation and my sister felt guilty as did her husband 
They spent the rest of the afternoon trying to make up for it while the rest of us were confused why the mother-in-law thought she deserved to know first. Now this led to another situation entitled Instance 2. Sorry to interject here guys, but I'm feeling a little bit naive. Um, When OP said that the entitled mum started crying, I just presumed it was happy tears, you know, because you're going to be a grandma. Not, not sad tears because everyone else knew first. Oh God, but this is entitled parents. I should have known better. Anyway, this led to another situation entitled instance two. Now, since my sister's mother-in-law felt excluded, she made sure she was included from that point onwards, throwing a baby shower much before my sister wanted to decor and arrangements guest list and invites being done without as much as consultation from my sister inviting mostly her mother-in-law's side of the family and not ours forcing my sister to let her be present for each prenatal checkup and scan moving into the house with my sister and brother-in-law to help take care of her baby trying to control what's and how much my sister eats including throwing out essential medication prescribed to her and arguing against my sister's nutritionist who'd made a very extensive meal plan for her finally my brother-in-law and sister had had enough they asked her to move out and to not stick her nose into everything that wasn't her concern now mind you my brother-in-law is a big softy and a mama's boy but he will stand up for his wife This led to the penultimate situation, entitled Instance 3. My sister's mother-in-law lost her head. How could her baby boy throw her out of the house? She decided it must be because my sister is a manipulative female dog. Somehow, this string of thought landed her to presume that that baby could not be my brother-in-law's because my brother-in-law wanted to wait until marriage to have sex and that my sister got pregnant too soon. So my sister's mother-in-law went around spreading gossip and rumor everywhere and to anyone stupid enough to listen to her. She went from calling my sister's unborn baby her baby to now calling it every name possible. Devil child, the result of cheating, insert word that I can't say and whatnot. Then she started demanding she needed to see proof of paternity. Otherwise, she would cut the child and my sister off from the family and also never speak to her son again if he would not condemn his wife's behavior. She was also convinced my family knew of her pregnancy before her because we must have known she cheated and deceptively got her married to my brother-in-law to hide the facts. They again had had enough and this went on till she gave birth. My sister and brother-in-law went low contact with my mother-in-law for months pre and postpartum around the time the baby was five months old the mother-in-law apologized and stated she wanted access to her baby again my sister and her husband were very skeptical but they agreed for supervised visits only and only if the mother-in-law was constantly accompanied by either my sister or brother-in-law Now, what a surprise, guys. She did not like this, and she once again threw a tantrum over how her son was corrupted by his evil wife, and her darling son would never, ever do something like this to his mother. She again brought up paternity and called my brother-in-law blind and an idiot, yes, that is her own son, guys, for letting some common hussy force him to parent someone else's child. My brother-in-law calmly stated it was either his way or the highway. And my mother-in-law chose his way. This is the peak of the entitled saga. Mother-in-law tries to steal the baby. So, one of the days when my mother-in-law was allowed to visit the baby, she absolutely is no help and demands to be catered to, my sister was very tired. 
The baby had colic that week and she was run to the ground My brother-in-law could not be home and my sister tried rescheduling But my mother-in-law was already on the way and at that point it was nearly impossible to stop her My sister says she had just handed the baby over to my mother-in-law in the living room and sat on the couch Big mistake She has no idea when she dozed off But my sister must have dozed off for a little while after being up with a fussy child and of course being exhausted and dealing with postpartum issues when she came to neither the mother-in-law nor the baby was to be found she looked for the baby frantically and called her mother-in-law but no answer she got in touch with her husband who drove home picked her up and they went to her mother-in-law's house to look for her her father-in-law answered the door and said that he also had not seen her mother-in-law since she drove down to visit my sister but her phone was on find my phone and they could track her phone from his device as they shared the same cloud sure enough within minutes they see the phone moving towards a local hospital lab area it's a one-way road and a dead end they hop in a car and drive to the hospital my sister finds her mother-in-law arguing with the hospital staff for not performing any medical procedures and tests on the baby without the parents Her mother-in-law wanted to get a paternity test performed on the baby She was detained by the hospital security and the baby was in the custody of the hospital who thought she had stolen the baby My sister and brother-in-law reached the hospital just in time before they called the cops and tried to locate them They had to show 10 different types of proof of identity and parentage to the staff before they were allowed to take their baby again my brother-in-law actually ended up threatening legal action against his own mother but i'm not sure what came of that this happened years ago and my mother-in-law and brother-in-law and my sister have the most strained relationship the baby barely knows its grandma but it's quite close to the grandpa who often visits uh, yeah very simple solution here guys restraining order get that put in place right now and get this horrible dog of a woman out of your life because what is she offering in terms of value in terms of support in terms of general chat any banter going on there i highly doubt it i think she just sounds like an absolute cow a horse a pig perhaps maybe even a snow leopard who knows that's being too kind snow leopard is actually my favorite animal what a cool animal that is can we get a picture of a snow leopard up on screen wow what a beautiful animal and now let's get a picture of a horrible disgusting woman on screen and that's the difference right there that is the difference of biology was any of that necessary i don't think so but i love snow leopards they're cool animals unlike this dog of a woman entitled parents stops women on crutches getting in elevator this is my first time posting a story like this so bear with me i've always wondered if i'd ever see something awful enough to post on here and this happened a couple of weeks ago so i he him 20 was in primark at the time which is a well-known clothing outlet in the uk for people who can't afford to fork out on big clothing brands i was wandering around the men's section on the second floor where there is a busy escalator on one side of the shop and a lift on the other as i got closer to the lifts i heard raised voices and went over to look because i'm nosy there was a white woman in her mid-20s standing in the open lift She had a child in a pram with her 
Let's call her Karen. In the doorway of the lift was an older black woman, around 50 years old, who clearly had an issue with her leg and was using crutches and one of those boots they use for stuff like broken legs. Let's call her Jane. With Jane was a younger black man, maybe in his late 20s, but I'm not sure he said anything during the entire encounter. Now, I'm making race relevant because I'm not entirely sure that Karen's actions weren't entirely free of prejudice. So, Karen was in the lift with her pram angle to stop Jane getting in. Now, the lift is definitely big enough for more than three people and a pram. In a raised voice, she told Jane, I'm claustrophobic. I can't have anyone in the lift with me. Jane was asking if Karen would please just let her into the very big lift so she didn't have to wait for it to go and come back. But Karen wasn't having it and just kept repeating the I'm claustrophobic line over and over and told Jane to use the escalator instead. Jane gestured towards her leg and crutches and asked whether Karen did this in all lifts because there was no way she could get away with doing that every time someone got into a lift with her. When Jane started calling Karen out on this, Karen's story quickly changed too. With everything going on, I'm worried about getting COVID. She said this without having a mask on to a woman wearing a mask while stood in an extremely busy shop. By this point, it would have been quicker for them to go down and send the lift back up one at a time. Karen started shouting, How do I know you don't have COVID? And Jane just responded with a very calm, How do I know you don't have COVID? So Karen yells, How do I know your leg is actually broken? Weird turn, lady. Yes, weird indeed. What is that logic? By this point, there are around 10 people, including me, pretending to look through clothes racks whilst we all actually just stared at what was going on. It's rude to stare, I guess, so you have to be polite when watching the drama. Finally, about three different staff members appeared about five minutes after the commotion started and asked the woman to take two separate lift trips. They let Karen go down first because she was already in the lift. Shame. I heard Jane saying to Karen as she left and to the staff members, this is how it's going to be for a long time. She needs to get used to it. I imagine relating to COVID and sharing spaces again. I wish that something more was done, but people kick off so much around here that you kind of just want them to get what they want and leave ASAP. Everyone went back to their shopping after the woman split up. But I remember making eye contact with a maybe 16-year-old boy who was also watching and we just burst out laughing in the middle of the shop. Yeah, not all that exciting, but I got a huge laugh out of it for a few days. Yeah, not gonna lie, guys. I do kind of agree with OP on this one that race probably was involved in some respect. I mean, first of all, the fact that he's put it in the first place means that he definitely thinks it was involved and I'm inclined to agree with him given he was there. And secondly, did you see how Karen was just going for every single excuse possible? One second, it was that your leg's not actually broken. Realistically, none of those were the real excuse. We don't really know what it was, but I'm inclined to believe that race, unfortunately, probably was one of the factors i mean that or she's just against disabled people whatever it is it's not great that's what i'm trying to get at you see and on that point that op makes it would have been quicker for them to just go separately but for jane it's time for her to stand up for herself make a point saying look there is no reason you're not giving me any valid reason as to why i can't get in that lift with you you're in there with your pram me and my son i assume can just come in with you and yes it would have been faster to wait and just get a new one maybe she should have done that but also she's standing up for herself i've got no problem with it and i think she did the right thing now moving on to our second story of today's episode and how about this for a title why wouldn't you donate your eggs to a good christian woman like me 
I had the trashiest week and of course it had to get even worse I am a dermatology resident and around a week ago. I was working after hours at a cosmetic skin clinic We do cosmetic procedures like botox and such an entitled parent, a 48 year old woman enters and brings along her husband and teen daughter One of the nurses approaches her and lets her know that only the one person who came to the appointments is allowed to come in But she demands to bring both of them in with her because she is afraid of needles and she knows the owner of the skin clinic So it should be all right The nurse keeps trying to reason with her But she dismisses it with a weird hand gesture and enters one of the consultation rooms The clinic only opens when we have a couple of patients booked due to covid So we are currently understaffed My co-worker and I look at each other and try to debate on who should go see her Since in her booking she hasn't specified which doctor she previously consulted with after losing a game of rock paper scissors I dreadfully start getting masked to enter the room as I enter the room The entitled parent and her husband are in a heated fight on whether or not her lips are too big And the teenager is texting on her phone. I subtly clear my throat The woman finally shuts the f up and with her karen voice says you're not dr. So-and-so I only trust dr. So-and-so to touch my face. I take a deep breath and say Mrs. EP when you book the appointment you have to mention which doctor you prefer to have since they only come in If they have patients lined up on that day She looks at me like and then insert weird emoji there after some back and forth of her demanding I call the owner and me letting her know I can reschedule her appointment for a later date with the doctor she prefers to have She calms down and agrees to let me pump her face with more filler and botox We make casual conversation and the teen asks why did you choose to become a skin doctor? To be honest, the answer actually is peer pressure and money But I went ahead and explained that both my parents are doctors and growing up They'd always push my siblings and I to become doctors too Then I decided to get a low-stress job that gave me freedom outside of work and dermatology seemed to be the best option Now she seemed very interested and we kept chatting while her mother closely examined her face To check if she was content looking like a walmart kardashian or not All of a sudden, the husband starts to ask more questions about my family, where they work, and if any of them were sick, which seems so odd. So I just said no and continued talking to the daughter. The entitled parents and husband start to whisper to each other while casually glancing at me as I wash my hands and get ready with the other procedure she came in for. The entitled mum starts asking very odd and personal questions which I dismissively answer with a word or two because at this point I was getting very uncomfortable. And here it comes. Nothing in my life mentally prepared me for this. Mrs. EP says her sister had an ovarian teratoma and had to get it laparoscopically removed. She'd always dreamed of having kids and was wondering if I could donate my eggs. I was shocked to say the least because I never imagined that a complete stranger would ask me for something like this. I told her I was sorry for her sister and that there were places where she can review a bunch of egg donors So she can carefully review and decide what kind of egg donor she most likely wanted to use She reassures me saying that her sister would for sure like me and since i'm from a family of doctors I have no diseases in my family and have great thick hair She says as she grabs my hair so she knows the child will be both smart and healthy I tell her i'm not interested in the offer and that i'm sure she could easily find a donor with even better qualities But she insisted I take her number and consider donating to a 
cool Christian woman who loves children as much as she loves God. I take the number so she just stopped talking about it and finally exit the room and the nurses take over. I immediately just throw the number away though and try to forget about this strange incident. Right then, yesterday I get scheduled for a consultation with a woman called Megan who's not a previous patient of mine but has specifically requested for me which is odd since I hardly get any specific requests from patients to have me since I'm still a resident. Nevertheless, I go in for the consultation and to my horror, the same entitled parent and soon-to-be entitled parent Megan approach me with a high-pitched, Hi, doctor. How nice to see you again. Now, this is when I knew I was going to have a nightmare consultation scheduled that I couldn't run away from. Megan is a 37-year-old woman who claims to be a God-fearing housewife with a dream to mother a child and that her sister had filled her in on all details and even stalked me on Facebook finding my parents and sisters too. Before she keeps rambling on, I let her know that I have already told the woman that I am not interested in donating my ex and I ask her what she wanted to get done to her skin instead. She acts confused and tells me, but you would be doing a good deed by donating an egg to a woman who had ovaries ripped away from her body and reminds me that as a doctor and a Christian myself, as she found out through my dad's Facebook page, I should be following the word of God and help her out look i've got nothing against donating eggs or sperm i actually think it's honorable to help someone in need to have a kid but i don't want children i don't know these women and i'm not going through the whole procedure of extracting an egg for someone i hardly even know also i don't want a child of mine out there in the world i don't know it just doesn't sit right with me i let her know i have no desire to donate my eggs and suggest her a clinic that handles issues regarding infertility and such and ask her again what she came in for they both look at me perplexed they cannot believe a woman would not want to spread her legs go through a painful procedure to extract an egg that is to be donated to a complete stranger how can you say that aren't you a feminist aren't you a doctor aren't you a christian where are your morals miss megan i don't personally know you this is a skin and cosmetic clinic if you need a consultation for infertility you should go to a fertility clinic i say as i start to stand up dr op you're not acting like a good christian woman would the entitled parent says and i just remind her that this is a place of business and if she's not interested in a consultation for skin or cosmetic procedures she can go ahead and leave but she then starts yelling loudly very unchristian words letting me know that satan will come for me because i've turned down god's will i call my male nurse and he talks to her and lets her know she needs to leave the clinic immediately or police would be called the entitled parent sisters leave as they curse me out isn't life great sometimes sorry but that is an absolutely disgusting thing to do i mean first of all just randomly asking a stranger to donate their eggs is one thing stalking their dad's facebook page and the rest of their families that's another level but then trying to guilt trip op into donating eggs because of her religion or you know trying to bring religion into it and then saying oh god will be ashamed of you satan's gonna come for you now that is a horrible horrible thing to do look who knows maybe op isn't as religious as her dad or maybe you know she's not even christian but what if she is what if saying these things is actually having an effect on op and making her rethink the whole situation you know preying on someone's religion to try and make them donate eggs and have a kid that they don't want like are you serious that is unbelievable church in the woods 
I grew up in Ohio in the 70s, and me and my childhood friend Joe were outside all the time we could manage it. Joe lived on a farm that bordered a pretty big forest, and my parents would drop me off in the morning and we'd stay in the woods all weekend. We'd only come out for school. We loved pretending we were frontiersmen. We'd build shelters, traps, practice making fire with sticks, the whole nine yards. When we got to be in high school, we got this notion to pull a Stand By Me. This was based on the movie of the same name that had just come out. The idea was that we'd walk the railroad tracks out in the country, but instead of looking for a dead body, we'd find cool bridges to fish from and camp a little ways off the track. Of course, we knew this was dangerous and we'd likely be trespassing, but we were kids. We had a lot of fun. We did find beautiful rivers. We discovered bridges no one went to. We fished, we hid from trains. At night, we camped in woods just near the tracks and made small hidden fires. Nothing bad ever happened. It was idyllic. In fact, it was so fun we did it multiple times. Never had a problem. After high school, me and Joe went our own ways. We both left home, but always stayed in touch and always tried to coordinate visits so we'd see each other occasionally. Well, one summer in the mid-90s, it worked out that we were both in town for about a week. We'd do stuff with family in the day, and at night, we'd either catch drinks at a bar or sit outside Joe's house around a fire and talk about the old days. One night, me and Joe got to talking about our stand-by-me trips. Well, nostalgia and beer are a hell of a mix. Soon we decided to take a day, walk the rails, camp one night, and walk home. The day came. We started out early morning. We had my wife drop us off in our old spot where we used to start, right outside our hometown. She thought this was absolutely crazy and made sure to mention it. When she pulled away, Joe suggested that instead of walking the usual route, we'd take the opposite direction, just to be adventurous. We knew the land well. We had a map, so I gave her what the hell and off we set. The day went fine. It was fun and a little sad, but in a good way. We found a bridge and sat on the edge, smoked a joint and moved on. We had no fishing gear, but we brought some canned food and other stuff. Before night started to set in, we picked a spot to camp. It was a thick, forested area, trees on every side of the train tracks so you felt like you were in a tunnel. We brought small hammocks to sleep on, but before we set them up, we decided to do a little scouting of the perimeter. Now, this is what we used to do in the old days too. We'd walk the area around a little bit to make sure some dude's house wasn't just over a hill and we were actually camping in their yard. We walked maybe a hundred or so feet into the woods and up a small incline. We figured if we didn't see anything from on top of this short hill, we'd be fine. But when we got to the top, we saw an old building down at the bottom, about a hundred yards into the woods. It was barely visible. We pondered over what to do. We both assumed it was a sugar shack or something, because there didn't appear to be a clear road into it. From where we were, there didn't look to be anyone in it, either. All was quiet, no movement could be seen, no lights. We decided to walk a little closer, just to make sure. We came down the hill very slowly, and as we neared the building, we saw it wasn't a sugar shack at all. It was an old church. It looked like it had been abandoned for years. It was a squat, sagging building whose wooden planks were almost black from years of moss and rot. A cross still stood on top of the place, also weathered black. None of the windows had glass and there were no doors, just open doorways. We got close enough to see inside. There were rows of pews and a built-up section in front for a preacher to stand. We didn't go all the way in, we didn't want to. 
Beyond all that, there was no sign of anyone else. No footprints, no paths, no roads. It was an abandoned church. We left immediately and went back up the hill to our spot we had picked to camp. Having a hill between us and the church made us feel better, but we were still a little uneasy. We chalked it up to the natural creepiness seeing a church in the middle of the woods would elicit. Besides, at this point it was dusk and we just decided to rig up our hammocks and go to sleep and move on at early morning. Night set in and as we lay in our hammocks about to fall asleep, we began to hear something in the direction of the church. Our conversation about it went a little like this. Do you hear that? What the F is that? It sounds like people singing. And it did sound just like singing. We both slid right out of our hammocks and hunkered down, straining to hear more. We listened for a minute or two and the singing continued, but it wasn't getting louder. Finally, we decided to creep back up the hill and see if we could spy where the sound was coming from. We could still move very quietly in the woods from the old days. It was second nature to us. The moon was barely out, but it provided enough light so you wouldn't walk right into a tree. But it was near pitch black. We didn't use flashlights as we crept slowly up the hill and we didn't talk. When we got to the top, we saw light in the distance. It was coming from the church and the singing was coming from inside. Joe and I put our heads close together and had a hushed conversation that boiled down to, can you believe this? The light looked to be candlelight from the way it flickered. And though we tried, we couldn't make out what was being sung. It sounded like church music, but in another language. We sat and watched for a while, trying to see who was in there, but we only saw occasional shadows. We had no intention of getting closer either. We had about a football field length between us and we aimed to keep it that way. The singing continued for a bit and then it stopped. After that, a booming male voice began to chant. I was already freaked out, but this voice thoroughly scared the poop out of me. It sounded like some Old Testament preacher you see in movies. But again, it was like he was speaking in a different language because we couldn't understand a single word. Eventually, it got to where the single male voice would say something and then a bunch of voices would answer in song. This lasted for a while and then they all broke into this long, sustained wail that just kept getting louder. It got so loud and so disturbing that I covered my ears. Then it stopped. At this point, I was just getting ready to say, let's get the F out of here. When Joe put a hand on my shoulder and hissed, they're coming out. We were far enough away that we couldn't make them out really well. But what we could see was a line of figures walk out the open doorway, all holding hands in single file. We could see some of them had flashlights. They began to sing again and the light from the flashlights began to move towards us and the hill. We booked it back down to our campsites grabbed our stuff and ran to the tracks. Once there, we ran down the tracks in the direction we had come from. After a few minutes, we stopped and looked back. We saw lights coming down the hill. They were moving erratically, like whoever was holding them was shaking them. We continued to run in spurts and walk as fast as we could. We eventually stopped seeing the lights and came to a road. By our map, we knew a small town was about 15 minutes down it. And we walked there, got to a 24 hour gas station, and called my wife to come get us. My wife and other friends all just thought it was kids messing around. But I heard those voices, and they sure as hell didn't sound like kids to me. Not sure who those people were, but it was definitely the creepiest thing that happened to me out in the woods.
And there we go, guys. That is the first r slash let's not meet story on this channel. Um, let me know down below what you thought about it. In my opinion, I have absolutely no idea who those people were. They weren't there when these guys went there the first time and all of a sudden they appear out of nowhere. Nah, that's way too creepy for me. Comment down below, guys, if you have any idea as to who these people might have been. Personally, I have no idea. And that scares me. Without further ado, guys, let's move into our second story of this video. My brother saw a ghost as a kid. Two decades later, I realized what he actually saw. I was about seven years old, my brother about 10. It was well past our bedtime when our mum woke up off the couch to put us to bed. Our dad worked construction out of town back then, so it was often just us three at the house for weeks at a time. Up the stairs and to the immediate right was our parents' bedroom. Going left put you in the middle of a hallway. Taking another left down that hallway led to my brother's room. The opposite end was my room, which was also across the hall from our upstairs bathroom. At either end of the hallway are windowed doors we always kept locked and rarely used. The door on my end led to a balcony overlooking our front yard, and the door on my brother's end opened to our back porch. The house kind of leans into a small hill. My brother and mum both had a habit of waking up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom. I only knew this because I was always a light sleeper, and they just couldn't help flushing with the door wide open. This night, however, my brother stopped on his way to his room and came back towards the bathroom. I'm gonna try to pee before I go to bed. The past few nights, I've been too afraid to walk to the bathroom. I keep seeing a man wearing stripes at the end of the hallway. I don't know if my mum wrote it off as my brother telling ghost stories to try and scare me, or if she was already half asleep and didn't catch it, but she didn't react at all to my brother's confession. I, on the other hand, was terrified by it. The fear of seeing a ghost like that at the end of the hallway or through the windows is the reason I started running from the stairs to my bedroom at night. Years later, when I was about 18, my mum and I were having a conversation in her car about a dog we had for a very short time when I was little. We were sharing stories about Max's tendency towards destroying my shoes and other unruly behaviours. When my mum blurted out, Do you remember that time I opened the front doors for the cops and Max ran inside to the kitchen and started tearing open that big bag of dog food we had? This really caught me by surprise because in all the years I lived in that house, we never once called the cops, gun owner family in a quiet rural WV neighborhood, etc. I asked her what she was talking about and she looked equally surprised as if she'd just revealed something by accident. Oh, that's right, I never told you because you were too young at the time. One night, I woke up hearing noises outside my window, and when I looked, I saw a man staring into my bedroom. She went on to describe how turning on the lights caused him to take off running, and how she grabbed my dad's pistol before calling the cops. I can't remember all the details I gave them when they showed up. Tall, white male, wearing a striped shirt and jeans, short dark hair, something like that. They said it matched the description of a man they were looking for in the area. It turns out he had escaped from jail on a murder charge. Now, I know it sounds so obvious hearing those two stories back to back, but it wasn't until a few years ago, in my mid-twenties, that I pieced together that my brother had unknowingly warned us about a murderer who spent multiple nights casing our home. Well guys, after reading those two stories, all I can say, I guess, is I hope you're not watching this video at night. Because if I was, I I'm not sure I could sleep right now. Wow, 
Incredible. That last story, I wonder how that shakes you up, you know, hearing that a murderer who had escaped from prison was outside your house, casing your home for multiple days and you didn't really realize. Only your brother saw him. Oh my God, it wasn't a ghost for all those years. It was an actual real life murderer who'd escaped. Wow. Entitled parents gets gun drawn on her because she can't accept that times have changed. I want to state clearly that this did not happen to me, but to a friend in a state that has adopted a set of stand your ground laws. This is posted with his explicit permission, though I will have to redact some details due to the still ongoing case. So, this friend of mine was out and about with his girlfriend shopping for groceries, clothes, and some new utensils. My friend and his girlfriend stop at a store to pick up some clothes, some for themselves and some for his girlfriend's niece, who is all but two years old and is having her birthday in two days. After finding the clothes that both him and his girlfriend want for themselves and his girlfriend's niece, they were walking up to the checkouts when, according to my friend, they heard a woman screech, You filthy harlot! You can't wear those kinds of clothes in public! This made them both stop and turn around to see an obese, middle-aged woman with the stereotypical Karen haircut that was dragging along a poor kid who looked like he was wearing hand-me-downs from several generations before, while the mother was wearing what appeared to be a fancy dress that looked horrible on her, according to my friend. She also had some jewelry and had enough makeup on her face to put a Barbie doll that's been dunked in wax to shame. Now, my friend didn't like that this woman called his girlfriend a harlot. The term harlot was common many, many years ago and was used to describe women and was basically calling them, you know, filthy or prostitutes in a religious manner or context. He simply said, Lady, don't use that word to describe my girlfriend. You shouldn't even be using that sort of language around your kid. Besides, what she decides to wear is her choice alone. Now, kindly leave us alone. The mother screeched, I am a God-fearing, God-worshipping woman and your elder. You have to listen to me. My friend's girlfriend made the mistake of saying that they might have heard her out if she had been nice and calm about it and not yelling like a banshee on crack. This, not surprisingly, didn't sit well with the mother in the slightest, which then caused her to start shouting about how that as their superior and because they were younger than her and less disciplined than her, that they needed to listen to her and that her precious baby didn't deserve to see a trashy woman wearing trashy clothes and that they would taint his mind. This in turn annoyed both of them, but they decided to just drop the subject altogether instead of feeding fuel to the dumpster fire. They walk away after they heard the mother sputtering and yelling about how my friend's girlfriend was a bad influence to her precious child and how they were both, and I quote from his account, be sent to hell one way or another. The last comments put him on edge, and rightly so. After checking out, and with their cheerful moods dampened, they both were on their way to my friend's car, when they both heard, Sweetie, get in the car. Mummy has some problems to deal with. They both rolled their eyes and continued on their way to my friend's car, until they heard, I'll cut those clothes off you myself, you filthy sinners. This, of course, was said by that mother that they hoped they'd seen the last of. My friend turned around and saw the woman hobbling over with a knife in her hand with the blade flipped out, yelling at them the whole time. My friend immediately tells his girlfriend to call the police as he yells at her to stop walking towards them with the knife. 
When she doesn't stop, he once again yells at her to stop and please put away the knife and that nobody has to get hurt. When she still doesn't walk away, my friend drew his concealed carry out from his waistband and once more shouts at the woman to just walk away and that he doesn't want to use his firearm. He borderline begged her not to make him have to pull the trigger, that he didn't want her kid to lose his mother. The mother screeched that she would get him arrested for drawing a dangerous weapon on a law-abiding person that was doing God's work and quickly hobbled away, much to his relief. His girlfriend came out from behind a nearby car and handed the phone to him so he could explain what happened. He let the 911 operator know that he was a lawful concealed carrier and that he just drew his weapon on a person that wished him and his girlfriend bodily harm. Following the operator's instructions, he described the time, place, and the vehicles that were around him and set his firearm on the trunk of his car and both him and his girlfriend stepped away from that trunk. When the police arrived, they detained my friend. Now, detained does not mean arrest. He was just put in the back of the cruiser while the police sorted things out. No handcuffs were involved and no rights were read. And they both gave the responding officers their side of the story and pointed out the security cameras outside. They confiscated my friend's firearm, a standard procedure for incidents like these, and asked them both to give a statement at the police station. They agreed, and my friend was even complimented later by an officer for not being hasty and showing exceptional trigger discipline. He has not gotten his firearm back and will most likely not receive it back until this whole case is sorted out. But he then told me that losing his firearm for the time being is preferred over having to potentially kill someone over something as stupid as clothing. I'll let you fine folks know any updates that might happen if my friend is willing to talk about it. Thanks for hearing me out if you listened to this entire event. I just really thought that this was a shiny example to what problems can happen when entitlements and what is probably mental health issues mix. And there we go. Wow, fortunately, no one ended up getting hurt in this story. But seriously, it didn't seem that far away, did it? This woman, look, of course, I don't know her. I wasn't there. I'm not going to try and, you know, guess or even give my opinion on whether she has mental health issues or not. Maybe she does. Maybe she doesn't. Not really my place to say. One thing for sure, though, getting a knife out and threatening someone with that knife because you don't like what they're wearing, that is weird yeah i think we can all agree on that one um not something i do myself and uh, to be honest i hate a lot of clothes so um yeah very very strange i mean to be fair guys if you saw me wearing this little i don't know even know what you call it like tie-dye shirt out in public and you hate a tie-dye would you come at me with a knife that's a question for you comment down below all right then moving on to our second story now entitled neighbor thinks that my wife shouldn't be allowed out of the house I live in a very friendly community in Sydney, Australia. Almost everyone knows everyone else and gets along really well. We've been here for over 20 years now and I wouldn't live anywhere else. Now, first off, my wife is blind. She's a bit famous both for being a successful medical practitioner in the area and because she's done a lot of public speaking on blindness and has actually been featured in a few ads with her guide dog. Around 10 years ago, a new family moves in about 10 houses down from us. It comprises an entitled mum with her three kids and a poor dad. They obviously own the new franchise of a fairly well-known Australian dessert chain as they have the company van in their driveway whenever the hard-working dad happens to be home. I'm guessing I'm guessing he works 13 to 15 hour days, 6 to 7 days a week, the poor guy. 
Now my wife likes to go for walks around the area with her guide dog It's her main form of exercise and a way for her to bump into and chat with members of the community Who know and like her at the time our daughter was still a baby and in a pram So my wife towed the pram behind her when she walked that was actually the subject of one of the ads that she was in as she walks past the new neighbor's house their dog runs out and attacks her guide dog she was on her own but fortunately another neighbor saw it and pulled the dog away while she went home now she tells me about it but we think well they're new here and maybe one of the kids let the dog out it's illegal to actually have a dog off leash anywhere in public in sydney other than certain designated parks and beaches but a couple of days later the same thing happens again this time the dog ran all the way to our house from theirs and attacked her dog fortunately i heard her scream i came out and dragged the dog off her this time i went over to the woman's house to complain about their dog hi there i live up the road and your dog keeps attacking my wife's guide dog why is this my problem well you realize that it's illegal for your dog to be outside your yard off lead don't you well my kids like playing at the front with the dog well can you please get a gate like your dog shouldn't be running loose on the road maybe your wife shouldn't be out loose on the road Oh my god, she actually said that at this point. I realized that this was a waste of time So I returned home and we called the police remember wife blind well-known community member and very strict dog laws The police come over and we tell them the story They take notes and say that her actions constitute assault on my wife Not just breaking the law by letting their dog out They asked if we would like to press charges. We say no, but can you talk to her about not letting their dog out of the yard? They agree and say they'll further warn her that if they get another complaint of this sort, the dog will be seized and euthanized. We also have strict laws about vicious animals. A few days later, my wife wants to go for another walk, but she's still a bit shaken by the two attacks. So she asked me to come with her. As we walk past our entitled neighbor's house, her kids are in the front yard. When they see us, they immediately lie on the ground and play dead. I noticed their mum watching and asked what is going on. She says, Well, if you're going to get our dog killed, you might as well get our kids killed as well. A few days later, our doorbell rings. I answer, and the man there introduces himself as the entitled neighbor's husband. He says that one of their direct neighbors saw what was going on with his wife, kids, and their dog and told him about it. He apologized profusely for what his wife and children have been doing and says it will never happen again. This dad seemed like a very nice, if exhausted guy. I told him that this is a close community and everyone likes to get along. The dad replied that he could see that. Flash forward to maybe two months later and we notice that the house is up for sale and we never see the company van in the driveway. It turns out that these two were going through a divorce and had to sell the house after being there less than a year and the business to split things up. Now, I'm not saying this incident with my wife caused the divorce, but I'm sure it contributed to it. Unfortunately, the dad working so hard all the time left his entitled wife to bring up three entitled kids. They're going to face some hard knocks in the future. Oh, to be honest, I feel terrible for this man. Like he's going off to work all day, building a business, you know, making all the money for the family, it sounds like. And then it turns out that at home, his horrible wife is raising their three kids in a pretty horrible, entitled way. What can you do? Like that is a tough situation. To be fair, um, he did choose to marry her in the first place. Could have made a slightly better decision on that one, my friend. But in all seriousness, uh, yeah, my heart goes out to you, bro. I uh, hope you find a better wife sometime soon. And 
now moving on to our final story of today's episode guys a little warning before we get into it This is a very controversial one and heads up I'm gonna want to hear your comments down below about your thoughts on this story My entitled bratty friend thinks she doesn't have to get a job or contribute to her share of rent because of her anxiety She expects us to pay her way while she does nothing My friends and I are all moving out of our parents houses into an apartment on september the 8th There's four of us The apartment is about two hours away from where we currently live and is near our college We all agreed to split the cost of rent. This was months ago. We're all 19 to 20 by the way This is how irritating my friend is. She has really bad driving anxiety and doesn't have a job She's been sitting at home all summer doing nothing She applied for a job at the beginning of july to a place down the street from the apartment Her mum drove her to that interview and back They offered her a position and gave her all the paperwork to fill out and fax it to them. She did that. Orientation was scheduled July 20th. She called and had the place reschedule it for August 7th because she couldn't find anyone to drive her there and she said she felt sick. She never went to that August orientation and pretty much ghosted the place. So that's out. That would have been perfect for her because all she would have to do is walk down the sidewalk literally about a five to ten minute walk down the streets this isn't the first job she's flaked out on either it's always the driving anxiety excuse she has her license and has drove on the freeway many times though the rest of us have jobs the apartment has a pool and common areas that people hang out at she thinks she's just going to lounge at the pool all day meet cute guys make new friends and all that she's really excited to move in that's what she told another roommate I think she just doesn't want to work but she needs to though because that was part of the deal You cover your share of the rent if she can't pay for her share of the rent Then she can't stay with us end of story. I thought the group was on board with that I mean she's had all summer to find a job and she keeps flaking on the ones that want to hire her because she has to drive there Pretty soon it's gonna be time to move in and it's like if you think you're just gonna sit in the apartment all day Taking online classes and then lounge by the pool. You're sadly mistaken The rest of the group would love to do that But we need money to survive We told her she's gonna have to get over her driving anxiety and find a job or figure out a way to get money She got mad and started cussing us out saying we don't understand and it's not that easy to get a job We've even tried to help her apply for jobs and she screamed. I don't need your help. I'll figure it out myself I know her parents aren't willing to pay for her monthly rents and boy are they eager for her to move out Probably because she mouths off to them constantly My one roommate thinks we should cover september's rent for her and maybe she'll find a job once she's in the area But i'm not too hopeful on that I think if she isn't working somewhere by september the first then she can't move in end of story But that's just me according to another roommate. I'm being too harsh and unsympathetic towards her I should be willing to give her a chance to get a job before saying she can't live with us All right, then guys, what do you think about this one now? I'll be completely honest and this is a little behind the scenes insights I try not to read these stories in full before I read them out to you Obviously, I go through and check that they make sense that the stories, you know At least somewhat interesting and that it's well formatted, etc, etc And it's written in decent english, of course But I try not to read through the full story word for word so I don't really spoil my own reaction I kind of want it to seem as if i'm reacting to it while you're listening to it reacting to it for the first time in the same sort of way at the same time 
again. I think that makes it more engaging. When I first saw the title of the story, I thought it was all about her actual anxiety, you know, like an actual illness, not just driving anxiety. I thought it meant, you know, anxiety as a whole. So the fact that it is actually just driving anxiety that is causing her to not get a job and, you know, making you think that she shouldn't stay there, etc., etc., it has changed my opinion of what I originally thought. At first, I thought, you know, maybe your friend has really crippling anxiety. She's trying to overcome it. And when she overcomes it, she'll get a job and, and pay her rent and in that time. But in the meantime and in between time, you could help her out while she, you know, gets over that. But actually, no, it's it's not that. It's just it just seems more like an excuse to me. It seems like you're right. She doesn't want to work. She's just trying to like laze around and all that stuff. And actually, she's just using her driving anxiety as an excuse. Not saying it doesn't exist. I'm sure it does. But you don't have to drive to get a job. There are other ways of getting to your work. That's for sure. To be fair, um, I wouldn't be opposed if you guys all agreed on it to just paying her rent for one month. I doubt it would be loads of money if you all combined the other three roommates. But obviously, that's up to you. It's your money and rent is a serious thing. If someone is not paying their rent and looks like they're not going to pay their rent, no drama if you're not paying it for them that's kind of what i do as well to be fair i would give them one month you know thinking about it i give them one month and say you know what look we're your friends we're going to give you one month of split rent and if you haven't paid or haven't got a job or haven't you know found any way of making money after that time then you're done sorry i love you as a mate but come on this is money this is rent you gotta pay but listen guys what do you think like comment down below do you reckon give them some more time give them no time at all i don't know i'd lean towards being a little bit sympathetic just at first give them a chance maybe they'll realize oh everyone else is paying for me that's embarrassing i need to get off my butt and do something and then they'll do it who knows but if they don't start doing it yeah i'm out of there immediately comment down below what do you think i'm interested to see your thoughts entitled mother wants to monitor 20 year old daughter's texts i am 20 years old I moved out of my parents' house roughly two years ago and I live in a house with two roommates. I am completely independent from my parents. I pay my rent for my house. I have my own medical insurance. I own my car and pay my own car insurance. I don't even have to ask mummy and daddy for grocery money. Both of my roommates and I each have our own pets. We've got three dogs and a cat amongst the three of us. We've had some conflict about the animals. I've been visiting my parents for about a month, so I've been keeping up pretty steady contact with the roomies through text. My mum started asking about what I was talking about with my roommates. She knows about the conflict, and I just described the conversation to get her on the same page. But apparently, that wasn't good enough. She asked to see the text between my roommates and I. She'd also asked to see my text a few nights before, and then she picked apart every word and made me feel terrible. So I said no. I told her she shouldn't have to see her 20-year-old daughter's text to feel secure, and that I was setting a boundary and wouldn't be showing her my text anymore. At this point, she started calling me immature, ungrateful, and secretive. I've been working remotely while visiting and was on the clock during this conversation. So I just walked back to my desk. My mum went up to her room, slammed the door and started screaming at my dad. She's a child. She's an immature child. Over and over again. Wow, what a wonderful start to today's Entitled Parents episode. Um, Let me tell you, my sister is 20 years old. And if my mum, from out of nowhere, started demanding to see her text, well, that would probably be World War Three, and I'd move out with immediate effect. Now moving on to our second Entitled Parents story. Entitled Dad threatens to beat me up because I charged his daughter for gas on a rental car. Long time lurker here. I love reading all of these stories since I love watching entitled people get what they deserve. Who doesn't? After all of the things I've read, it got me thinking if I have any stories to share. 
And it turns out I have tons of great stories from the various places that I've worked One place in particular was a national rental car chain where I have the best stories Before working there, I thought the industry was just going to be full of business guys and vacationers So I wouldn't really have to deal with much rubbish Boy was I young and dumb This particular branch was hit or miss Some days we would be crazy busy Others we'd be so slow We'd take out for oil changes just for the heck of it To give us something to do On one particular day Both my manager and assistant manager Asked if they could go grab food for all of us And if I could man the shop Everyone there was super chill Even the managers So there was a lot of just chilling around I of course agree and chill Look at my phone when the office phone starts to ring It's some older gentleman who asked for me specifically Speaking, I say Our conversation goes a little something like this Is this OP? Uh, yeah, how can I help? Well, my daughter just returned a rental car at your location And I see a $25 fuel charge on there That shouldn't be I'm expecting a refund right now or i'll be giving corporate a call and maybe you'll listen to them I'm still keeping my cool at this point. Not a problem, sir Um, let me check your file to verify that you didn't prepay for the fuel Let me put you on a quick hold the entitled dad starts screaming something along the lines of don't put me on hold No one puts me on hold beep goes on hold anyway I then check his file the notes clearly say that fuel was declined and the customer signed a line stating that they agree to a $25 refueling fee if they don't return it with the amount of fuel that it was sent out with hi sir i say i've reviewed your file and unfortunately i'm not able to issue a refund because your daughter agreed to pay the fuel charge if the vehicle wasn't returned at the level we sent it out at apologies for the inconvenience but we do make this clear to our customers since this is a common but understandable source of confusion now had this guy started the convo off by not being a pos i would have easily given him his refund but i refused to let entitled mofos win what the f oh i see you just saw a young girl walk into your rental car place and you thought that you could scam her well how does it feel robbing a young girl of 25 dollars i'll bet you have the money in your pocket right now sir unfortunately that is our policy We do not scam our customers and clearly indicate what you will be paying for before the rental We also make sure to tell you how to avoid the fees in this case our advice was not followed So we'll not be able to process a refund for you. Let me talk to a manager now Sorry, sir. They're not in the office right now, but i'll tell you they will give you the same answer They should be back in about 20 to 30 minutes if you want to call back then again super chill managers So I knew I had nothing to worry about and that of course they would take my side What the heck? No, some of us have things to do today I don't want to spend my day at some rental car place. You guys are scumbags You know what? I'm coming down there right now and i'm gonna have a little talk with you face to face You're not gonna be so tough when I come down Sorry, he just said that some of us have things to do today Yeah, he's willing to come down to the car rental place makes a lot of sense make it make sense, please now Unfortunately at this moment all I could do was audibly laugh at this guy which only made it worse I'm looking forward to it, sir You just think you're so tough, don't you? You've got no idea the people in high places that I know in this state I now know your first and last name buddy I wouldn't be laughing Sir, if you have any problem with me, I invite you to come down and resolve it in person I'll be here until 6 this evening I'm coming right now, buddy You think I'm not serious? Alright then, see you soon And I hang up 
About 20 minutes later, my manager gets back and I tell him what happened. My manager burst out laughing and just said, can we hear? We went back and listened to the recording and both my manager and assistant were just dying laughing. Were you just threatened over $25? Apparently, I joked. We all shared a good laugh and honestly forgot about it for the rest of the afternoon until I saw a car pull up and I saw a familiar girl get out of the car with what looked like her mum. Guess who? It was the entitled dad's daughter and her mum. I peered into the car to see that entitled dad pouting in the passenger seats. He looked like a child that was told no for the first time. The best part is, he threatened me and then wouldn't even get out of the car to face me himself. He sends his wife and daughter in to do his dirty work. This should give you some indication about the type of guy we're dealing with here. The entitled mum walks in with the entitled daughter and starts screaming, berating my assistant manager. Your employee needs to be fired. He scammed my daughter out of money and we want it back. Mom, Opie already explained to you why we can't do that. I'll give you two choices. You can leave now on your own or I can call the police and they can tell you to leave up to you okay then f you we're never using this rental car place again i can't wait until we call corporate and tell them all about this little incident she furiously leaves the shop and goes back to her car this is where the most amazing thing happened and made me believe in karma she was so angry and flustered as she was backing out that she slammed into the back of my assistant manager's car smashing the bumper easily a total loss for a car of that age and value my assistant manager runs out to inspect the damage only to find nothing on his car not even a single scratch the entitled parents and their daughter all had to wait for a tow truck to arrive in our parking lot and it was amazing to watch the look on their faces while they dealt with the side effects of their trashiness as if that wasn't enough Want to know what the best part was? Two weeks later, I get a call from that same entitled dad asking if we had any rental cars available. It was hilarious how he tried to act as if nothing had happened and returned after he vowed he wouldn't. He actually rented fairly regularly after that during my time there and we never had another issue with him. He was even pleasant on some occasions. This experience must have been humbling for him. Anyway, that's my story. I hope you guys enjoyed it. As I'm thinking about my past, I realized that I've actually got plenty of stories. So if you guys like this one and want to hear more, I'd appreciate the positive feedback. I want to hear more immediately, sir. Well then, guys, if you do want to see more from OP, um, to be fair, great story, well written. I loved reading it. Uh, Do comment down below that you want to see more and drop a like on this video so that I know to look out for more stories from this man. Speaking of men, it's actually very funny. It's almost confusing, right? This entitled dad was like so mental. He just went crazy, shouting at people for no reason, demanding a massive $25 refund. And then after this huge debacle, you know, where their car gets totaled, he's like, actually, I've learned my lesson here. And now that we no longer have a car, I'm gonna need another rental car. So um, if you take me back guys at the rental place, uh, yeah I'll go back to being a normal customer who doesn't shout and abuse people Cheers, I mean it would have been better if he didn't do all that abusing in the first place But anyway, at least he got to some form of solid conclusion. I don't know. All right, then story number three Random butthole thinks he's entitled to my medical history. I want to preface this by saying that it's appallingly common for disabled people to be asked personal medical questions by total strangers and that nothing about that is okay. Just don't do that, like ever. 
Far too many able people seem to think that being disabled in public means that my life story is public property and it makes going anywhere far more stressful and tiring than it should be. To anyone who does this, your curiosity does not justify or excuse your rude, invasive questions regardless of your intentions. One in four people has a disability. Disabilities and disabled people are normal and I'm sick to death of being treated like a sideshow curiosity Now with that context in mind I'm sure you won't be surprised to know that I'd absolutely zero patience for today's entitled buttholes Accusational nosiness. I was in a pharmacy with my walking cane and as the person being served before me was taking some time I went to sit down in one of the chairs they have for people waiting on prescriptions I dropped mine off earlier in the day. So I was only there for pickup as i had been standing around I'd noticed an elderly man can't have been younger than 75 on a mobility scooter scrutinizing me When I sat down, he drove his scooter over to me and without so much as a hi, he asked, what's a healthy young thing like you doing with one of those? Gesturing at my cane. His tone was actually accusational and full of suspicion. As I said, this is something that most disabled people often have to deal with. And that goes triple for young disabled people. So many older people seem to think that young people just can't be disabled, I guess. That makes zero goddamn sense, but whatever. My point is that after years of experience, I've got a list of well-rehearsed responses to draw from. So without missing a beat, I told him my medical history is none of your business. He seemed pretty taken aback and scoffed, saying, I was only asking, there's no need to be so rude. Again, having been here before, I said, No, you asking a total stranger invasive questions about their personal, medical situation, that's rude. Me declining to answer is not. It's called having reasonable boundaries. He scoffed again and glared at me for a bit, seemingly unable to think of a comeback. But then he did the thing that prompted me to post this otherwise run-of-the-mill encounter here. While maintaining eye contact and glaring daggers at me, he slowly reversed his scooter, beeping all the way back towards the far end of the front counter, where he'd been to start with. Only he bumped into the woman who'd been ahead of me en route, ruining his bizarrely dramatic exit and sparking an entirely separate argument. It was honestly farcical. Not much happened after that. His prescriptions were ready first, but this guy insisted on glaring at me the entire goddamn time. Of course, I gave him a wave as he departed, and he flushed red with rage, but said nothing. More of the story, disabled people don't owe you anything. Leave us the heck alone, and for crying out loud, don't ask us personal questions like you're entitled to our medical histories now look i'm not the sort of person that would randomly go up to a disabled person and ask them how they got their disability that is very rude but even me knowing that i'd never do that it's still important to hear from a disabled person how annoying that can be i mean maybe you're with your mate or you know a family member and they do it and you think about this story and you think you know what i'm gonna intervene here and tell my friend relative whatever to not ask these horribly intrusive personal questions that they have absolutely no business of knowing also with the paralympics on at the moment i thought i'd bring you guys a story to help raise a little bit of awareness among our small you know viewership community about disabled people and and how they feel when they get asked very personal questions look i imagine some of you watching right now are disabled comment down below is it very annoying i imagine it is and now moving on to our final story of today's episode lady gets mad because i'm speaking norwegian to a tour group in norway 
First of all, I think my English is pretty good for it being my second language, but I still may make mistakes. Second, this took place a couple of years ago, so my memory and translations may not be exact, but you should get the general idea. And thirdly, all conversations are translated to English, especially the ones between the director and me. Background and story. About two years ago, when I was in university, before the virus, I worked as a tour guide in Oslo during summers. We would take groups out on a bus through the city, then get on a boat and continue the tour from there. When the group first formed, I would ask if there were any English speakers who didn't understand Norwegian. If there were, I would conduct the tour in Norwegian first, then give the English equivalents. If there weren't, I would just do the whole thing in Norwegian. But also point out in English, we all speak English, right? That there was an audio system they could listen to in multiple languages. So Germans could hear it in German, French people in French, etc. I think there are about 10 different languages in all to choose from. I eventually learned how to say each language we offered in their native language and then motioned to the headphones and guide in front of them that said how to turn the audio to their preferred language. So I asked my group and a few people raised their hands. I don't recall if this lady was one of them. So the tour started and I would point out the sites and describe them in Norwegian, then English. However, as I was giving the Norwegian explanation, this lady would yell out English. After a couple times, I finally stopped myself and said, in a minute, please wait, though I'd already spoken English on the trip, including the opening talk. This woman, though, continued through the entire tour. Though this was not a supper cruise, which we had in the evenings, we still had a wait staff that circulated around and got people snacks and drinks. They normally ask first in Norwegian what people want, then switch to English, or in some cases, Swedish or German, until they learned which language went with which customer. When they got to this lady, she gave her order and then said, make the guide speak English. Me and my kids can't understand her. When they pointed out that I was speaking English after the Norwegian, she said, how do I know she's saying the same thing though? She should just speak English the whole time. The next day, my director, I don't know the exact translation of his title, called me to his office before I began my first outing of the day and said that he had received a comment card about me not speaking English and that this had ruined the tour for a woman and her kids. He asked me if this was true and I said, no, I spoke both Norwegian and English on the trip after I found out there were some non-Norwegian speakers. Since the tour for the day hadn't gone out yet, I got two servers, including the one who had served them, who came up and verified that I had spoken in both languages. My director just shook his head, tore up the comment card, and told me to move on with my day. I wish I'd got on the chance to have a direct confrontation with this lady. Many people would stop and thank me, or ask questions as they left the boat at the end of the tour. But this lady was not one of them. She just resorted to speaking badly about me on a comment card. Oh, look, I'm not positive it was her, but the clues all point in her direction. So that is the story of how I got in trouble for not speaking English in Norway. Again, I'm sorry for grammar mistakes and thanks for reading. Pretty sure there were zero grammar mistakes in this entire piece. And that is a point that I'm going to touch on right now. 
All right, guys, some of you may know if you've been on my channel for a long time now that I actually went to Norway. I think it was two or three years. Well, it can't have been three years ago. Two years ago, um, I might put a picture up right now. And uh, yeah, I think it was actually before COVID. Well, no, it definitely was. So yeah, about two years ago, I went to Norway. And of course, as you can probably imagine, I speak no Norwegian. What a massive shock. However, because of the way the world works, I guess, or just these people being very, very selfless, people in Norway are taught English at school and pretty much everyone that you come across in Norway speaks English. It's pretty incredible, to be honest. So that meant that when I went there and I knew I could speak no Norwegian in Norway, I was really fortunate that Norwegian people could speak English so I could at least interact with them. I felt very guilty, to be honest. I knew none of their language. They knew everything of my language. And like OP right here, they speak it really well, write it really well. Their grammar is perfect. And to be honest, a lot of foreigners grammar with English and their, you know, general dialect is actually a lot better than a lot of English people. Um, sorry to say that but it is true the point is this woman should be grateful that this norwegian person in norway can even speak english in the first place it, like that's the point why why should she speak english to you that's a real question. You know none of her language. Why should she know yours? You're just being an absolute ignorant pig. That's my opinion. You should feel lucky and fortunate that you don't have to spend years of your life and time learning someone else's language because they've put in the hard work and learnt yours. Crazy, I know. Entitled Facebook parents, Demands Library removes all mentions of the LGBTQ community. This text shown below was taken from a Facebook post, which I came across moments ago and immediately thought of this subreddit. Enjoy. So here is the beginning of the post. Am I being paranoid? This was supposed to be a post about a wonderful new library that we found on our way back home from school. Instead, this is a call for help. More than ever, we need to protect our children from this evil indoctrination. Let me give you a little background. You probably all know how much we love libraries and books. With that being said, when we learned that the brand new West Perry Library finally opened their doors, we immediately headed over there. We found this awesome, almost magical place with a huge children's section. It is amazing. The kids just went crazy over the beautiful furniture, the toys, the decoration, and of course, the crazy amount of colorful children's books. We started going there almost every day. They no longer wanted to go to our other favorite places. No more playgrounds, pools, other libraries, or even the museum. All they wanted to do is go to the new library. But my excitement died quickly. Now I'm horrified and deeply upset. I want you to take a look at all the rainbow books that we have found in this magical place. Tons and tons of these materials, they are everywhere. In the kids section, in every bookshelf, even the baby shelves, the teen section, adult section, Spanish section, there's even a designated section for LGBTQ teens. Am I going crazy? Am I being paranoid? Do you see what I see? Are you concerned too? Please tell me this is not normal. We've been to other libraries, even during Pride Month, and we've never seen so many books normalizing this lifestyle. Never. Dear rainbow people, as my kids respectfully call you, isn't your sexuality something private that you're free to live in your own terms behind your door? Why are you trying to impose this on my children? Why? Dear concerned parents, please help me call this library or your local one if you've seen these books on every shelf as well. Help me make a respectful request to withdraw this material from our kids' reach. 
us parents should be the sole educators of our kids in this important matter and not beautiful colorful innocent books from our public libraries that is not what our tax money should be used for and that was the end of the facebook post oh my days what a roller coaster as you can imagine the replies were not what the person expected and the page has given up responding to any comments that are posted there are many other entitled posts on their page as well as many homophobic ones let me know if you'd like to see any more like honestly what am i even supposed to say to this one seriously like there's nothing that i can even say it's the it's the most stupid stuff i've ever read in my life it is so dumb on a public platform to write that like to believe it is one thing to write that as your views and expect other people to agree with you and say yeah you're so right let's get rid of the rainbow books are you dumb well clearly you are it's unbelievable it really really is okay look it's actually a great comment i'm just going down the comments of this post librarian here i've always said a good library has something to offend everyone everyone has the right to read what they want and no one has the right to tell someone what they can't read true a library's got something to offer everyone and a library's also got something to offend anyone because you know it does offer something to everyone and obviously not everyone's gonna like everything in a library obviously jeez don't go putting it on facebook though you idiots now moving on to our next post entitled parent steals my badge and risks jail time over a gallon of milk all right so maybe it's cliche but let me start by saying that i've been a long time lurker and literally never expected something like this to happen to me i regularly giggle to myself about how exaggerated or made up the stories on here are because no one actually acts like this right well apparently i was very mistaken about just how entitled people can be because this story happened to me yesterday please enjoy a little background to start off I started a new job with the county about a month ago. I was hired to be a juvenile correctional specialist. It's not a glamorous job, but I absolutely make sure my clients are safe, afforded every right they're entitled to, and I treat them with respect and dignity. That being said, I don't live in a great area, and my uniform looks a lot like a police officer's uniform, so I never wear it outside of work if I can help it, just because I don't want to deal with potential issues, which seems to be the right call after this incident. It is also important to note that during my orientation, my training officer spent a literal hour explaining the many ways that are appropriate and inappropriate when it comes to representing oneself. For instance, in our county, I'm considered and therefore legally allowed to refer to myself as an officer of the peace, an officer of the county, an officer of the court, and a correctional officer. At no point and for no reason am I ever legally allowed to represent myself as or even imply that I am an officer of the law, a police officer, or any other title of that nature. If someone assumes I am a cop, I legally have to correct them or I could potentially lose my job be fined or even be arrested based on the situation i will point out however that my uniform and badge carry the same legal obligations and repercussions when it comes to damage theft etc because it's all considered county property so yesterday i get done working a double and get ready to leave work i hadn't expected the forced overtime so i hadn't checked the weather for the evening shift lo and behold i had left my windows cracked through a rainstorm and my extra shirt and jacket had gotten soaked this would have been fine because it was dark so i wasn't worried about someone seeing me go from my car to my house 
But we were out of milk and I really needed to stop at the mart of walls Normally, I just take off my uniform shirt and badge and throw on my extra shirt But I didn't really feel like donning a soggy top or going into the store in the tank top I wear under my uniform shirts Plus it was 50 minutes till close and I was just running in and out. So what's the worst that could happen? Famous last question right there. I ran in grabbed the milk grabbed some ice cream because why not and headed to self-checkout The line was pretty long and wrapped around towards the entrance So I was in a random entitled lady's direct line of sight when she stepped through the doors Now while she didn't fit the mold of the traditional karen, I think she still counts She was an older woman probably in her 50s in heels and a rather low-cut sundress Fake tan fake hair and clearly fake boobs I caught her making a beeline straight for me in my periphery and continue staring straight forward because something about her seemed a little off. Maybe it was the odd gates with the slight stumble every few steps or the fact that she was kind of mumbling to herself, but I had a feeling she was under the influence of something. She got about five feet away and I could smell the alcohol emanating from her. She then reached out and firmly tapped my shoulder. The following is our conversation nearly word for word as best as I can remember. Excuse me, I'm so glad I made it before they closed. That's great, I say, continuing to stare forward, attempting to ignore this woman. Well, I just came in because I really need milk for my kid's breakfast tomorrow. Uh, Do you think you could help me out a bit? Sure, the milk is on the wall at the back of the store. Just head straight back down that main aisle and you'll walk straight into the dairy section. She looks at me dumbly for several seconds. Well, that's not really what I meant. You see, I noticed that you have the same kind of milk that my family drinks. So I thought maybe you could let me have it. That way I can get home to my kids sooner. You know what? I'm very tempted to go and down a beer so I can enact this woman better, but I'm not going to do it. No, thank you. I'm good. Wait, what does that mean? I can't have the milk? That is correct. You can take three minutes to walk back and get your own milk, just like I did. That's how groceries work. Again, she stares at me for several moments, trying to process the situation through the haze of intoxication. You are being incredibly rude, and you shouldn't even be in here. How do you figure that? Well, my tax dollars aren't supposed to be paying for the police to go shopping while on duty. Now give me that milk, and I want your badge number, so that I can talk to your superiors about your inappropriate behavior. Mom, I am not a police officer, and I am not on duty. I just happened to be coming home from work and I still have my uniform on. The woman then started to shriek and attract attention. You're obviously lying. I can see your badge right there. I won't let you get away with lying just to protect your job. At this point, she begins to claw at the badge-shaped patch that is sewn onto the upper right shoulder of my uniform shirt. Not wanting to escalate things further, I took a step back and grabbed my real badge to show her. Now, it's not like a metal badge or a jacketed ID like cops or detectives carry. It's literally just a laminated card in a clear pouch attached to a retractable clip on my belt. The pocket also contains my electronic access card to the jail itself. The whole jail, not just the juvenile side, which was about to become a huge deal. I hold up my badge and show her. See how it says correction specialist, not police officer? Bold as anything, this crazy drunk reaches out, snatches my badge out of my hands and rips it off my belt. Now at this point, the bystanders that had been nervously standing and muttering amongst themselves went silent because like most sane and rational human beings, they realize that it's never a good idea to take the badge of someone in a uniform, whether they're a cop or not. 
I myself took a moment to respond because I truly could not understand the idiocy of stealing anything, let alone a badge over a gallon of milk. I would have been within my rights to grab her and force her to give it back. But again, I didn't want things getting out of hand. So I decided to reason with her. Mom, I don't think you realize the consequences of what you've just done. That is the badge of a county officer and stealing one is a misdemeanor if you're lucky. However, behind that badge is my swipe card for the jail. You've literally just stolen a key to the county jail, which is a felony with a potential 10-year sentence. This is absolutely true, by the way. I think you should probably hand it back to me right now because I don't think a gallon of milk is really worth a decade of your life. The entitled woman now starts to look a little nervous. That's not what I meant to do. She looks at the bystanders for support. But you guys saw how she was being rude to me, right? I was just trying to get her information and she wouldn't give it to me. I didn't do anything wrong, right? Unbeknownst to either of us, one of the customers ahead of us was either an off-duty cop or retired. I couldn't tell which. He piped up with, Mom, I'd do as the officer suggests if I were you. I can't slap cuffs on you right now, but I've got a few guys on speed dial that would happily do it for me. And since they patrol this area, I'd say you've only got a couple of minutes to make your choice. And with that, he pulled out his phone and started swiping. Wait, sorry. So this guy just went on Tinder randomly. Um, I thought he was going to call his police mates, but swiping. Hey, uh, hopefully he found someone to match with. I don't know. All the color drained out of the entitled parent's face. And she basically flung my badge at me as she jerkily rushed out of the store. Ranting, mumbling loudly, something about how it was just a goddamn gallon of milk. I thanked the older guy and told him not to bother calling anyone. Everyone got through the checkout like responsible adult human beings and I got to go home and enjoy my ice cream, having learned that I should really just do my shopping on my days off. Wow, um, a Karen plus alcohol is a deadly combination. I mean, look, you thought entitled people were bad. Give them a bit of alcohol as well. And wow, that's another level. Um, incredible. By the way, guys, comment down below. What did you think of my um, drunk entitled Karen impression? Was it good? I can't say it's based of experience, but I thought I'd just, you know, try and slur my words a little bit. Let me know if it was good or not, or just sounded like I was about to have a stroke. It's either the two. Let me know down below. As for this story in particular, I mean, again, what can I really say apart from, like, you just don't do that. You just don't steal someone's badge. It also doesn't even matter, like, what it is of theirs. Don't steal anything from anyone. Why is she trying to take your badge off you? I don't get it. I really, really don't. Now, I do agree with her. Obviously, she wasn't trying to steal your jail key card, but still, don't steal anyone from anyone ever. What's the point? What are you going to gain? Are you going to try and sell the badge on eBay? What's the point? I don't get it. Wait, sorry, I've just clocked. Did this post say at the end that she got back in her car? Hey, sorry, she jerkily rushed out of the store. Did she get back in her car? She must have driven to the store, right? I assume this happened in America. Normally people drive to stores, do they not? You know, to put your grocery away when you're finished with it. Otherwise, just walking home, right? Did she get back in her car? If she did, that's a DUI right there. I can't work it out from the post. It's annoying. I can't, OP hasn't said it, but if she got back in her car... Wow. And there we go, guys. That is going to do it for our slash entitled parents, the movie Halloween edition. Do comment down below. Where were the two creepy stories that I was telling you about? If you can put the timestamp down below, I will go through and heart it. It shows you watch the whole thing, first of all. And to be honest, thank you for doing that. I love you. If you've watched the whole of this video, you're an absolute legend. I appreciate you so much. It means a lot to me. 
You're the goats. Guys, I really hope you have enjoyed Halloween and, and, you know, had a good evening. Whatever you've been doing, trick-or-treating, going to a party, whatever you clowns want to do. Yeah, hope you enjoyed it. If you do want some more movies from r slash entitled parents and me straight away, there are four on screen right now. And that's pretty much it, guys. See you all tomorrow with a brand new normal video. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. Every week, you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.